everybody, and welcome back to Community Accountability Equals the Cure. Uh, we are very excited to have you here with us for our second episode. Um, just to give you a quick rundown again of what this is. So Community Accountability is a platform for everybody's voice and perspective to be heard. It's an opportunity for us all to get a better understanding of our neighbors and how our uh, choices and decisions affect our community. Um, and most importantly, with integrity and transparency, we want to gain perspective of those around us. Uh, we believe that would create a stronger and healthier community. Um, so I'm here today with my guest, Charles Irwin, and we're also here with my co-host, Robert Lomas. How are you guys doing today? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll get right into it. Charles, could you just uh, tell me where it all began for you? Tell me what childhood was like and, and how you got to today. So my name is Charles Irvin. Um, I'm 43 years old. Um, I'm from Wauseon, originally born and raised, graduated high school here in 1997. Um, currently, I reside by Harrison Lake area outside in Tungfad, West Newbury, that's irrelevant. Um, but where, where I got started as a childhood, I'd never, uh, I'd never even seen marijuana, never seen cocaine um, until I was old enough to try it. Um, so, so would you say that you had like just a country town totally, upbringing, totally, small town country life? Totally. Okay. Totally, totally. And then when you were a teenager, God. And, you know, obviously stole cigarettes from people that, that smoked probably yeah. the age of 10 or 11. <laughs> we um, all been there. I was there tried, <laughs> tried drinking alcohol behind the barn that I stole out of the fridge or something and spit it out. Yeah. Um, same thing with smoking cigarettes. I mean, it was disgusting and couldn't inhale and coughed and all that. Yep. Every, not every kid, but a lot of kids would. Um, probably the first, as a freshman in high school, I started smoking weed. And um, to be honest, I didn't get nothing off of it. I would, I would, I would laugh and act like I was hungry just to fit in to be cool with the people Try that I was with. Stereotype, yeah. Um, but I honestly, I, and it was months. Um, but then obviously somewhere along the line, I ended up, it worked or it did its fix because I smoked weed every day till probably six, seven years ago. So that actually brings me right to my next question. What did drugs provide for you? You know, and then at what point did the first one stop being enough and you needed a bit more and more and chase something higher? Um, so knowing what I know today, I'm educated about it, but knowing what I did didn't know then it gave it gave me my out it gave me everything that i was looking for um it gave me and i don't want to say an edge but it gave me an edge to to be somebody else um i always wanted to be somebody else regardless so that's that's familiar to me because rob always says you know people uh use drugs or or you or have addictions in general to either feel something or escape something mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a little bit of both but you say at this time it was just made you feel like something mm -hmm. made you feel like somebody okay. correct that's right so today I, I know today i believe there's two very good reasons why you use either to feel something or to forget something yep. um but i didn't know any of that then so to in order to to say it as past tense it just it gave me whatever i wanted you know i mean everything i needed at the time i thought yeah um and and through my counseling, you know, everybody talks about triggers. And honestly, I didn't need a trigger. <laughs> I just needed a conscious, just, well, it wasn't obviously conscious, but I mean, there was things that like rain days would, would 
fresh mowed grass because I used to smoke a lot of crack in, in my garage after I'd cut the grass to fake my neighbors out to think, oh, he's all right. He just got to mow the grass. Yeah, he's yeah. In but I'm smoking $60 in crack. Um, yeah. So. So um, as you're going through those phases and trying different things, going from marijuana and then smoking crack and, and trying different things, when did you, uh, what was the low point? When did it stop hey, providing for you and it started? Hey, to uh, hey, 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 Destiny. Hey, Charlie. I, I just uh, want to ask uh, uh, what I want to just chime in one for one minute. Okay. When was your first introduction to hardcore, you know, narcotics and, or drugs or the hard, uh, or the hardcore stuff from the weed to the, uh, because when, when it was with me, I was around about 16 and this is, and keep it, keep in mind, this is your story, Charlie, you know, it's all about you, but I was like 16 when I caught my older brothers, uh, uh, you know, free basing cocaine and kept being nosy till they finally, uh, you know, kind of uh, let me uh, try it a little bit. Yeah. And the rest was kind of downhill for me. So what was Where your did it go from marijuana to something? Yeah, else? that's that's what I would like to know. So the, the marijuana never left. I had that every day. Somewhere in high school, I was double dabbled with um, sprinkling uh, cocaine on on a, a bowl of marijuana. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that was my first. But that was too. that it was it was years later where I got straight up hardcore rock cocaine um so so, so charlie what, what i want to know i know uh we both we both guy guys and we both been <laughs> around so remember the old stick shift you yep. know one oh. in the column or one in the floor somewhere uh the old ones was pretty rough pretty hard to get in gear sometimes you had to kind of shake it a little bit so right but you know sometime i've heard it described for me it went from I was speaking with destiny the other day, how we were just talking, how it went for me for to, uh, I like to get high to, I need to get high. It happened so quickly, you know, from, uh, recreational to dependency. So can you pinpoint it, uh, any specific time when it, when that happened for you? What? So I, in the pills, I never, I never missed a day. I got into the, to the Percocets, the Perc 10s, and I stayed on those for about six or seven years. Um, I had access with my job to scrap steel. So I had a, I had uh, what I like to call an empty checkbook. I had a blank check every day. I just had to steal more scrap. Okay. And nobody, I've been nobody, there. nobody knew that, you know? So at the time, my wife, um, Really, obviously, we got into my my check, my work check, but she never knew about any of this other, any of my other illegal incomes. Endeavors, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I literally went to Toledo every single day. Um, I know drugs are everywhere, and I, I nothing wrong with Toledo, but that was just my that was where mine were. Holy um, Toledo! I, I could make it back um, from Wauseon. On the Ohio Turnpike, there to their house and back less than an hour. So I was very good at lying to my wife and just telling her I'm going to stop by a buddy's house because it was less than an hour and I could get everything I needed. Um, so when you found this, when you found yourself creating an income, an actual income to feed the habit, mm-hmm. you say that's when it so, went from fun so to I would, necessary. I would double dabble with with soft cocaine, and um, I. Went to a associate friend 
um, to get me some. And he says, I can't get any soft. I can only get hard. I said, well, I don't, that's fine with me. We'll get whatever. <laughs> I mean, and I'll never forget standing in it's for what it's worth. Now I was on McCord Avenue <laughs> with the trigger court, but that, that high. And I was thinking this is better than sex um, for sure. And within days I was there once, if not twice a day. Um, I kept my job for the most part for a little bit, for a couple of years. Um, if, if I knew I had something to do at night then I would go in the morning before work and I'm talking, I would be in Toledo. You planned the thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like there was, there was, there was things that needed. No, I had to get hot. I, I thought that had um, to be a part of your routine yeah. was figuring out how to get that. Yeah. So at what point, you know, where was the low point when you finally hit rock bottom and decided, I know we had talked a little before we started recording. You said, you know, sometimes you'd go get help just for your family. Cause they were bugging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was your rock bottom when you decided to get help for yourself? Um, when, so I was in and out of, I was on probation, but I was in and out of, of different rehabs and I was still at my house with my wife, um, using every day. And, um, she had made a phone call to my probation officer and my probation officer showed up to the house and, uh, said, show me where it's at. I know you got it. My wife at the time said I'd been up all night in the basement. Um, I said, I don't have any, it's gone. I mean, I, I did it all, but I still had a, a glass pipe on me. And, um, so I went to CCNO for probably the 14th time yeah. over a span of two years. <laughs> and, um, a, uh, ended up going through a divorce while I was in jail, ended up going to, um, a rehab for extended stay eight months. Um, and I was homeless. And nobody wanted to talk to me. My family was done with me. My family would send me money um, every other time I ever went to jail. And I'll never forget kind of laughing, giggling. Like I got to make that phone call to my mom to get 50 bucks on my books. I go, I'm gonna get and it. she said, no. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? No. <laughs> I said, mom, you have to. She said, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so no, obviously I played the pity party for Charlie um, for a little bit. And then I got into some drug programs while in jail and started started getting my head out of my ass, so to speak, and um, took it upon myself, which I said, I don't want to be on probation anymore. I'm homeless. I'm just going to stay in here and, and set my sentence out. And she said, you're going to sit there a while. And I said, well, that's, that's fine. Um, I'm homeless anyway. Right. And so at the time, my sister and me were in contact and mind you, my sister and they, my whole family is done with me. Like they didn't want me in the driveway, let alone their house. Yeah. And, um, she said, there's only one way you can come here. You can come here the day you get out, but you're going to be clean. And so I did 174 out of 180 days and Got a a job and the day after, shortly after, and uh, been there ever since. That's exciting. That's awesome. That really is. So where, now you've been clean and you said, like you said, you stayed in jail to get yourself clean. Mm -hmm. Then you get out and I want to figure out how tough that road to redemption was. So that first paycheck, um, you know, you're, you're shaking, you're sweating. 
um, with, that's the first time you've had your own cash. Yeah. And you think of all the things that you and want. And you're free to do what you want with <laughs> and, it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. I, my wedding ring is a, was a tattoo and about a year, year or two after was the first time I'd ever gone to Toledo by myself. And I literally, my hands were so sweaty on the steering wheel because I was going to, it was laser lux to get it removed. Um, two blocks from my drug dealer. And I, I mean, I was all by myself. Nobody would have known it. And my, my hands were so sweating. And I was just, I mean, it was like an almost throw up disgusting feeling because it was right there. And that I was a literal yeah. fork in the road. Go yeah. do what I came here yeah. to do yeah. or. Well, and I knew I wasn't, I knew I was going to throw away everything that I had yeah. with those relationships with everybody that I'd gotten back or built back. And that was something that never. <laughs> and I mean, it, when I was into the pills and the suboxins, my low point my son was about three or four years old and I'll never forget one morning feeling so sorry for myself. So dope sick. I could not put his socks on. I, I didn't have that energy to put my son's socks on. And that stuck with me all through all, all the stages of trying to get clean was yeah. you ever want that feeling again where, yeah, it was. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> that's a huge eye opener. You know, sometimes yeah. it is the kids. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know? Um, so how long have you been clean now? Over just over four years. Okay. And that's and just that's... January, January 8th. Nice. 2018. Well, congratulations, man. That's really incredible. Rob, why don't you go ahead and take over here? You have any questions? First and foremost, I just, uh, knowing that Charlie is also a believer as we are. And uh, I just want to, you know, uh, just praise God for Charlie's re recovery and, and, and his deliverance from, from bondage. Because, uh, Charlie, you remember when we first met, I believe it was right before your wife, if you okay, if you open with me, uh, yes, yes, uh, anything, anything. Right, right before his wife made the unanimous call, <laughs> uh, he was, uh, he was in my IOP group and, uh, at that time I was working at Renewed Mind and they had just put a new therapist in there with me. Uh, you remember Michelle? Yes. Yep. And, and so we were different as uh, uh, night and day destiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And so uh, uh, I'm, I don't know what her whole background was, but, you know, I'm transparent with with my past and, and everything because my past don't hold me hostage anymore. So me and Charlie, you know, we would go, uh, we, we vibe from day one. And um, I, knew, I, I met Charlie right where he was. I knew where he was at. You know, he was, you know, we had our one round where he knew, I knew and he knew when he had the flat tire that he was high. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, if I don't know nothing else, I, 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 I know about crack. That's from my time period. <laughs> and so, so we, we went round for round and we, we juggled around, but, and I want you to know, we still have a picture, the most precious picture. When I left Renewed Mind, I started to steal it because Charlie actually gave it to me, <laughs> but it still mm -hmm. hangs on Renewed Minds right there in the front room when you go into the office of renewed mind yeah you remember, you remember what that says charlie uh i know what my favorite saying is but yeah. you will continue to remain the same until the painter remains the same screen or paint of yeah. change but but he brought you brought you remember you brought a beautiful picture a uh, beautiful picture in uh you know about about you know and, and and scriptures in it uh pertaining about faith and uh you had a lot going on and you overcome a lot 
but I knew it was inside of you. You were strong. It was just getting you getting to that point. And at the end of the day, yo, I, I believe, and this is just my opinion, your love for your son was greater than your love for your your, your addiction and your your pity party. It's just something about it when you, you thought of that, you just I, it just totally changed him, Destiny. So a light went off uh, about you know when he was thinking. That's what I want to know. I want to know who who is Charlie Irvin now. So today. Um, my, my son, we have shared parenting. Um, I get my son every single Friday. I have for four years, um, every weekend, never missed. Um, I, I, I have a good factory job. Um, I don't go around the person's places or things that when I, no matter what, even if it's today's world, if I don't feel comfortable, um, yeah. I, Especially with, with, with drugs, I and, and, and people in general, and I I probably ask myself what my motive is probably 300 times a day, yeah. whether it's it's stopping for a red light, whether it's opening the door for somebody. Um, just that was one of the biggest things that I think as a person with drugs or without drugs is, is what's your motive? Yeah. You know, what what's my motive? You know, let alone what's who cares what your motive is. I, what's my motive out yeah. of this? Because every you know every decision, every action has a ripple effect, and yeah. and sometimes we can close our minds so small that we don't see how big and how far it's affecting people. Um, and I think that I think that you know the weight of how your addiction affected people, but I do want you to always remember the ripple effect of your being clean has on the people around mm -hmm. you, and that ripple effect is huge. You know, I, I watched my mother. Uh, struggle with drug addiction and, and get clean. And there was a, a lot of times where she's very hard on herself forever having been to that point. But I always tell her like the effect of you getting clean, the effect that had on us and we're raising three daughters. Um, I'd say to me and my sisters are, are decent, decent women, decent grown women. And that is all a ripple effect of her getting clean and her showing us what true strength looked like. So, so there, there's still ripple effects happening. I'm just really happy that they're positive for you. And I have a few. I have a few more questions for you, Charlie. Before yeah. before you before you sign up, and, and these questions that you are very qualified as an expert. I look at anything that I believe that you know God or your higher power brings you through. You become an expert on on, on that topic and on that subject because you're very knowledgeable about addiction and recovery, and and you know and perseverance and re, and redemption. Like uh, Destiny, keep reminding you. We we salute you. We celebrate you. For, for what's Absolutely. right in your life today, for not throwing in the towel. And, and when we see so many other people go down the drain. So how do you feel about the climate of the things that's being done around our community in the country today for uh, the climate of addiction is yeah. what I'm asking. Well, how do you feel? What's, what's working? And what do you feel you would like, in your opinion, to see improve? Yeah. Um, so I was, I was in fresh start and we are we were at a church in west unity and i listened to a lead from a man an older gentleman um from defiance and he said in his lead you need to find what is attractive to you to get clean and it stuck with me and so there has to be something has to attract you yeah. to 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 not do this you know obviously the first thing you need to do is quit <laughs> quit using and then we'll get started but until you actually quit and then like 
for me, it was being in a closed room with just so happens Rob. And because all, all you hear when you're in that criminal behavior is your jail stories and everybody's fantasizing about the, the, the all you're, you're, and you're still having the criminal mind. And for me, it took being in a closed room one-on-one with another male that said, Hey dude, I've been there. You you're alive. Stop. Just, Something it's going to be okay. Yeah. I don't care if you use yesterday, you're here today. And for me, it, that's pretty much what Rob told me. Yeah. And I started thinking about it. Well, if he was there and he was me and he was, and now he's got his cars and he's got a house and like, okay, maybe it is possible, but I got to stop using it. And you just, you want to justify it, which obviously every addict knows, mm-hmm. um, but, and, and, and so it's for, for, to me personally, it was the attraction of hearing real addict stories by with, with that, I mean, other, other people with their drug of choice, which is mine is crack cocaine and knowing they had a they had story and yeah. because nobody, the only, the only thing I ever thought in my mind was, you don't know what it's like to feel, you know, Tom Petty says it best. You don't know what it's like to be me, yeah. you know? And, and so no, I do know what it's like to be you. Yeah, sounds and, and, relatable. And Rob so you think that said in, that in in addiction services, you think that that is the area that helped you the most was having help that was relatable, having for me personally, not a cookie cutter program. I don't something I, I don't have any one, but I know for the most part, my personal belief is putting handcuffs on somebody and taking the CCNO is not the right answer for all, for all, for all. Okay. Because jail is not that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it's mean, worst things can happen in jail. To someone, but it's think- 72 degrees in there. I never had air conditioning in my whole entire life till I went to CCNO. Yeah. I'm telling you, I went in on July 4th. <laughs> it wasn't a bad place to be. <laughs> um, hey, hey, so Charlie, and so what you're saying is, once, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that we would, you know, because Charlie, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. So, Destiny, one of the things we would do at IOP group that was uh, unique, that was a little unique from other traditional uh, uh, IOP groups was that uh, we met people right where they were. Usually people, when you go to meetings, they'd be like, one of the things that always disturbed me would be like, stay on topic. Don't they do that a lot, Charlie Steele? Yeah. Just stay on topic. But if we had somebody that was hurting in our group, we addressed the situation right then and there, you know, destiny. Somebody may have, cause we had mothers in there that just had their kids ripped a week ago. Now they've been forced to be sober by the courts. Yeah, and right. now they got to deal with all this trauma right. and, and that their kids is in the system. And no, you can't go get your, you know, now you, all of this come flooding back as you yeah. get sober and, 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 and your nerve and it's so raw. Cause it's so, cause it's so early and it's so, you know, so fresh. And so we would, uh, we would meet people right where they were. Um, yeah. We would we would fellowship and eat. We would discuss. Nobody got throughout the group. Remember, Charlie? I would never throw. They would, Michelle would no. want me to throw people out and say, uh, that guy's nodding around. Uh, that yeah. guy, that girl's jumping all over the place. I say, yeah, you I can hear that's me. Where I think just in, in my opinion, my belief, and I, I think I can speak for Rob on this as well, because I learned a lot of what I know about addiction services from Rob. Um, but just, and from not only having you know addicts in my life, but people very close to me that I've lost. Um, and I think my opinion on addiction services is that we, it's come so far that we stop treating people like people and we start treating them like, like paychecks or just their job. And I think that making uh, 
addiction services personal and, and not so cookie cutter. I think if we really start to get to know people and understand them individually, then we can actually help them. You know, how do we help somebody if we don't really know them? <laughs> so for- because yes, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, I'm not going to, you know, the reason that uh, it was paramount for me to get, uh, to open a private practice and have the ability to whatever gifts and whatever way I can help my community or be available and be relatable in whatever it is. And by, by no means, if, if I'm not the person for you, you know, Charlie, I'll make the proper referrals to, to, to a proper yeah. fit. It's like, you know, I'm not just like I deal with a lot of mothers. I'm never going to be a, 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 a female. I don't care what, what they say today. I'm not going to be a female that's uh, lost their kids. And I'm never going to know what a female I can, can relate to that and have empathy, but I'm not going to know what that feels like to have your kids, you know, to know that you chose drugs, what it's like to, t- I chose drugs in my addiction over being a parent. And, yeah. and, and yeah. I know deep inside of there, destiny, the mother is in there. That person yeah. is in there. That father is in there, but it's like, what's wrong. What, what rubs me the wrong way is that, we get so caught up in professionals and I'm talking about health professionals, including yeah. nurses, doctors and aides and other things too. They'll get to speak and get so caught up about productivity. Yeah. And productivity, that's something I believe should be used at your job. Shit, Charlie. I don't think that should be associated <laughs> right. with human life. Do we? Exactly. So I think, I think that's the important thing reminding, you know, that's kind of the, the bigger point of this entire podcast and the entire point of getting you know, Charlie's perspective here is, is that we have to start remembering, you know, being an addiction service professional, it is a service that you offer, but you don't serve courts and probations and, and parole offices and, and government agencies. You serve the person that you want to see succeed. You serve the person. It, it, it is an honor. You to say, it, you know absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Destiny is an honor for my mess to become a message of hope to others that my if my sole purpose is is that uh you know often charlie you know i used to say uh i got many degrees but the degree i'm the most proud of is the degree in what not to do and god bless me to live to tell about that's my most proud i have a phd in what not to try and so you know only by the grace of god me and you are and i'm sure i'm preaching to the choir because we didn't share we ain't gonna go in depth on here but me and him didn't share some really crazy stories yeah. When we was alone about, yeah. you know, stuff I did when I wasn't even under the influence of drugs right. or was I, you know, because yeah. addiction is addiction, whether yeah. it's addiction to the whole and lifestyle. Just, just like you said, Charlie, it all comes down to motive. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like for, for the, the addict trying to get help, what's your motive right. for being here? But the same goes for the, the service industry that, that wants to provide you resources and wants to help you mm-hmm. uh, get to that point. Mm-hmm. What, are, what, right. what are their motives? Right. Because at one time or another, uh, when people decide to get into this industry, uh, you have to you have to care about people. So, Absolutely. what's your motive now? Anymore? Is your motive the person and to save a life, or is your or motive- income? Yeah, or income. You and know, that's it's again, it's it's on me. But that's why looking back, like I very very dislike anybody, let alone me, using the word relapse. You know, Absolutely. because I mean, Rob just looked at me. and says, "All right, you is big deal." Are you done? Like, let's keep real. going. We got That's business to take care of. Recovery, yeah. you know? but, but I mean, it's not about really. Are you done? Because you, we like, got to, 
Hey, Charlie, we got to deal in the now, baby. We ain't got no time for that. Yeah. Look here. Yeah, I, I said, we can't, yeah. DJ, we can't do nothing about yesterday. You didn't yeah. got high and that's yeah. over with. We got to keep it moving. You right. got a son that needs you. Right. You got a life to live. Right. And that's why, you know, I mean, I, regardless of my work today, I deal with a lot of people that are in and out of the system and blah, blah, blah. But they, they'll say, well, he relapsed. No, I didn't fucking relapse. Are you done or are you done? Yeah. I, I don't, you're, yeah. you know, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear that word relapse. <laughs> and so, Charlie, how, how do you feel about that? You know, I know you know it's, it's agencies out there and it's all about the revolving door and and you know a lot of them use that what good is a cured what good is a cured patient you know what i'm saying so a lot of people yeah. like people don't supposed to be i'm not sure but how long is people supposed to be charlie on suboxone uh, it's supposed to be a dosing yeah. down type time period shouldn't it right now i got a guy that's pushing a year and a half and i very very don't like it yeah i know yeah, people I been, how many years i know people i'm not calling no names i know people been on for five years Oh yeah, no, I was on and on the street for five years, but I was never prescribed by a doctor. And, and our goal here is not, you know, to trash talk the services, to trash uh, talk this or anything like that. But our right. goal is we got to get people back yeah. on the same page because right. what's happening right now um, in a lot of agencies and a lot of systems um, is we're failing people. If you look at the number right, of right. overdoses and people yeah. and the, the, the human Absolutely. lives that we're losing, we're failing. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. that goes for Rob and I too, being in this industry. Rob owns his private practice, RKL Behavioral Health, and he, He's constantly trying to create an innovative way to reach people because whatever's happening now isn't working. Mm -hmm. So we just want to spread light on that, transparency on that, so that we can see us all come together again and and change what's happening right now. And your perspective is incredibly important. So I really do appreciate you being so open with us. And, and I got one more question. And like Destiny say, this is not bash the court system or bash other agencies by by no means. But how do you feel about a, a, a practice that that takes place around the five county area uh, quite frequently where they try to pick the provider or order you to a specific provider, even though you have not had success there, you don't have healthy therapeutic relationships <laughs> with these individuals. Do you feel that's right? Or are you in agreement with that? How do you feel about that? the court system having a contract within addiction yeah. services? So, <laughs> yeah, and, and ordering you there. That's, to me, that's, big business at its finest yeah. i'm sorry but yeah i mean it's kind of you rub my back i rub your back and we just keep them in the system yeah i mean because in what both, other in what other behavioral health no, service i mean lightly saying it's pretty good job security yeah for for a percentage of addicts uh, I mean, and just like prison guards yeah, i'm sure yeah. you, <laughs> in what and, uh, other behavioral health service do you uh, see the court system so tied to treatment mm -hmm. and that's where i see a, a huge red flag a major red flag is having the court system so tied to to addiction services we aren't they aren't tied to schizophrenia treatment right. or bipolar right. treatment or, or any other mental health issue right um so it, it's just um it's a red flag for me so i'm really glad to hear you know it's an incredible that you've gotten to where you've gotten but we do we ask you this because we want to know from your perspective uh, what you think could have been better or what were those moments or those those systems that almost made you give up, almost made you turn or, turn away, which for someone, they may have done that. They may mm -hmm. have turned away at a certain point. I, I can't particularly say there was one instant thing, you know. Um, I 
It wasn't, it wasn't about people ODing. I'm sorry. I don't want to sound rude, but that didn't, that's not why I quit using. Right. <laughs> that, that didn't make me quit using. Um, I honestly, as much as no, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'll clarify that question a bit. I mean, uh, those points within, you know, you seeking help and, and seeking recovery, um, were there any points, uh, within that, that almost made you turn away from even seeking help at all? Yeah, but I was dirty. Yeah, so you weren't. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, I was still in the entitlement yeah. narcissist. And and for me personally, that was a lot of, um, once I got clean, it was all my metal stuff, which could be taken care of over counseling. But until I opened up and was honest with myself, Absolutely, I was yeah. pissing in the wind with yeah. everybody's time, yeah. with, with everybody's time. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's. Yeah, it's, it's very much a two-way street when you're, and then, with anything in behavioral health, it's got to be you wanting the help as, as much as the person saying that they're mm -hmm. helping you, wanting to see you succeed. So, yeah, all right. I, well, I really appreciate you being here with us today, Rob. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign well, off? I just want to, you know, thank you, uh, Charlie, for uh, willing to come in and uh, your willingness to share your story, your willingness always, you always have been that way to help others. You know, I constantly get, get calls from uh, and emails and and in different various contacts, whenever Charlie do, he come bearing gifts. He's looking for employees. That's looking people that's looking for jobs. He's uh, whether it's somebody trying to get him. He always been that that type of guy, you know, that was always Johnny on the One spot. One of my favorite so. things is you don't have to have all your shit together to be somebody else's blessing. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and that's Charlie. That. And, and that's, that, that sums up Charlie right there. You know, he um, even when he was in his addiction, he was still trying to help. Uh, younger people give people rise that couldn't get to the to IOP or whatever. And uh, yeah. now that you know uh, he has uh, been restored to uh, uh, the greater Charlie, as I would say, and uh, and on route to uh, great things. And I'm sure greater things is to come for you, Charlie. I remember I used to say that to all you guys over there. I'm gonna you guys can teach this stuff. I'm not gonna tell you nothing you ain't heard before. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You know, I'm right. not coming here with no, it's me, it's Rob <laughs> with some new innovative. No, man, cut it out. The Even innovation what? is actually, you know, the innovation is just people. It's people being people, people knowing each other. And um, so, again, that's the point of, of CAC, of community accountability. We're in the infancy stages of this right now. And at the beginning of this, this podcast, we want to um, open up perspective. We want people to hear from, hear the point of view that they may not run into in the real world, you know. Mm. You guys might cross paths at the grocery store, but they'll never really know you. Mm -hmm. um, so here we're in the infancy stages. We'll get to a point where we want to see community accountability and transparency. And then that's where we believe we find the cure. We find the, the way to stick. Community accountability really is the way to stitch up our community. So thank and, you for being here. And, uh, and uh, before you go, Charlie, we want to just thank you for being our, our, our first our first interview, the first perspective, yeah. first perspective of, of you know, from our, our addiction, redemption and perseverance recovery uh, segment where we we talking about what's going right. We hear all the track. We hear all the tragedy right. stories about that. But it's people out there that's uh, living productive lives. There's plenty, plenty more Charlie's out there. This, yeah, this, and this, I believe I, that's it right there. I believe that your perspective is incredibly relatable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that you the courage you have to even come on here and, and be transparent and tell your story Absolutely. is going to reach people. That's going to have an effect on, on our community. I believe people will hear this and, um, and find, you know, another ounce of hope to get into the next point to the next day. So, and we want you to come uh, back too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, Drop by anytime if you got a. I'll let you know some of the topics we're going to get on, and if there's something you want to you want to hop on, you want to talk about, we'd love to have you back. Um, I want to use this moment real quick to kind of plug some things. You guys can find us at rklbehavioralhealth.com forward slash cac. Uh, we're also on Facebook, YouTube. I'm working on Spotify and Apple Music. Um, but if you go to that website, rklbehavioralhealth.com forward slash cac. Uh, you'll find links to all of our socials. You'll find uh, snippets of all of our shows. Um, and uh, if you have a story you want to tell or you have a comment you want to share, uh, email us at info at rklbehavioralhealth.com or you can leave a comment, send us a message on Facebook. Feel free to reach out and uh, and talk to us. Uh, Charlie, thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> yep, thank you both. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you guys again on the next one.